Doctor's Kitchen. Recipes, health, lifestyle. Welcome to the Doctor's Kitchen podcast. The show about food, lifestyle, medicine, and how to improve your health today. I'm Dr. Rupi, your host. I'm a medical doctor. I study nutrition, and I'm a firm believer in the power of food and lifestyle as medicine. Join me and my expert guests where we discuss the multiple determinants of what allows you to lead your best life. Today, we're going to be talking about the benefits of eating with friends. I actually wanted to call this podcast episode, How to Eat with Friends and Be Healthier, in reference to the highly renowned book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, but I didn't think everyone would get it. Anyway, I wanted to start today's episode with a question for you. When was the last time you sat down at a dinner table and shared a meal with friends over laughter and stories? If you're lucky, you'll be able to remember a time in the last couple of days or the last week. And if you're adverse to the idea of going through the effort of having to find someone to share a meal with, hopefully today's discussion of the research will show you that it has benefits regardless of what is actually on the table. Recent studies have found that regularly eating with others is linked to feelings of happiness, more satisfaction with life, and a trusting nature of others. For children and adolescents, frequent family meals were also associated with better health outcomes. But why? We'll talk about the evidence-based reasons for the health benefits of sharing food around a table, including the evolutionary link as an adaptive benefit from our hunter-gatherer ancestors to the psychological reasons as well as the practical benefits. I'll certainly be eating with friends twice a week from now on. And to talk about this topic, I have researcher and science writer at The Doctor's Kitchen, Sakina Okoko, as well as our food producer for The Doctor's Kitchen app, Orla Noon. Remember, you can watch today's podcast on YouTube. You can click the link in the podcast caption wherever you're listening to this. It is the easiest way to support our podcast at no cost to you by just subscribing and hitting the notification bell on YouTube. And remember, you can get our Eat, Listen, Read newsletter and Seasonal Sundays newsletter for free every week where we share recipes, interesting articles and videos that will help you have a healthier, happier week. On to the podcast. Before we get started, here is a quick word from the people who make this podcast possible. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm going to talk to you about a single thing that you can do that can improve the taste of food, it can improve life satisfaction, it can improve happiness levels. And the best thing is, it's completely free and anyone can do it. It is simply the act of eating around a table. I'm absolutely bowled over by some of the research around this topic. And to chat to me about this, I've got a science writer and researcher at the Doctor's Kitchen, Sakina, and food producer, Orla, around our podcast table to talk about this topic that is super interesting. I sent Sakina, you, a study like a couple of months ago, and I was yeah. like, we should definitely talk about this because I was pretty uh, shocked that just the act of What's it called? Commensality? Commensality, the practice of eating together with other people, which I didn't know this term before. Yeah. I started reading as well. Totally. But Commensality you... is my new mm-hmm. favorite word. Yeah, me too. <laughs> we should use it more often. Yeah. And you sent me that study and I, we didn't look into it for a few months, but mm. now it's Christmas time almost. Yes, exactly. So it's the time to, to look into that. Exactly, thing. exactly. And uh, I was pretty shocked at like what it showed. And the, so... We thought we'd do this podcast where we could talk about uh, some of the studies, the reasons behind some of the health benefits of eating around the table, and the fact that part of a Mediterranean diet, it's not really a diet, it's more of a lifestyle, is yes, legumes and yes, beans and yes, largely plants, but also eating around the table is actually part of that Mediterranean way of life as well. Um, so yeah, really excited to get uh, uh, into this subject. and hear some of Orla's reactions to what we're going to be chatting to as well. Um, So let's start off with some of the studies that kicked off this discussion. Um, There's one around life satisfaction. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so that's the one you sent. It was a survey. So it was a survey study conducted in the UK. um, And they found that people who ate with other people more often had higher life satisfaction um, and they were more trusting of others than people who ate alone more often, Mm. which makes sense, I think. It's quite... Um, and then there was another one that you find um, on, I think, family. Yes, think. yes, the healthy eating pattern. So it was a systematic review that found a positive association between family meal frequency. So that's the number of times you sit down to eat with your family. Um, and they found that three or more meals per week improved or was associated with a healthy dietary patterns, such as increased consumption of fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and beans. Now, it's important to say with these sort of reviews, you don't want to confound causality with correlation because you could also see like, okay, if I am more likely to be able to sit around a table with my family, am I also, is that associated with me being in a high income bracket uh, Mm -hmm. or having a more stable uh, home life? Is there some sort of correlation that we don't want to confound with causality but it's still really interesting because we're going to go into some of the reasons as to why that might be happening yeah right? it's difficult with correlation data to understand what direction the relationship goes but um with the study the survey study they did a path analysis mm. to try and see so it still doesn't prove causality but it's try to understand the direction of the relationship and they showed that 
it clearly favors going from eating together leading to better outcomes mm. rather than the opposite way mm. um so with that so with the three studies that we're going to talk about and the potential reasons it still shows that there could be benefits in that direction yeah of eating together causing benefits rather than the other way around as well absolutely and um there was another one looking yeah. at uh the the um or oh, there was a 14 papers um for about frequency of family meals as well again associated with psychosocial outcomes is mm-hmm. that the same one that you would that's a different to? one there's a third paper um mm. and it was looking at psychological well-being in children and adolescents so they found that frequent family meals was linked to better psychological out- outcomes mm-hmm. um and also school success and self-esteem mm-hmm. so people who families who ate regularly more often um their children had better outcomes in terms of their mental health and also in terms of school success yeah. which same it could be the other way around it could exactly. be um there's a lot of other factors that could play but it's an interesting link i think yeah so the headline is look more like the more likely you are to be sat around a table the more likely you are to have better self esteem yeah. happiness school success all these different things so taking in mind that sort of like correlation causation Or how many times you sit around the table to eat your meals at home? At home now I do it every day. Oh, do you? Yeah, well because well, okay, so I've lived with my boyfriend for a year. Uh-huh. So I think we're still in the honeymoon stage <laughs> where like yeah, that's something we really prioritize. But when you were talking about that one mm. period in my life I remembered was when I was working as a chef yeah. where you were lucky if you got to take a break at all mm-hmm. and i know that's common for chefs everywhere and if you did get to take a break it would be like maybe 15 minutes and like you'd go to a storeroom mm. and like maybe find an empty bucket and turn it upside down and just sit and like <laughs> yeah. wolf something down yeah. and yeah that's not great yeah, yeah so i feel yeah. a lot happier now that i don't have to eat my lunch that way honestly mm. it reminds me of every single situation i've been in when working within the nhs in hospitals it is exactly the same you literally go on your designated lunch break whatever that whenever that is whenever you can actually take a break you grab your like you know tupperware from the fridge the fridge is crazy full with loads of stuff that's out of date you wolf something down on your own and then you go right back to work super quickly super quickly and you feel guilty for eating at all 100% yeah. yeah you yeah. do yeah there's a lot of similarity i think with the sort of chef lifestyle yeah. uh, i remember doing some like well-being events for restaurateurs and people working chefs yeah. and like you know it, it's similar like to my experience working at A&E you're in like an environment where there's no natural light you don't get a chance to go outside in a lot of cases chefs work underground in the basement again like the, like 10 minutes to go outside and usually have like a cigarette break or whatever there's common there's a, a commonality with cigarette smoking and any doctors as well mm. so yeah lots of lots yeah. of similarities and yeah. then when you get home at night it's quite late as well right so you don't really have yes. the time and you maybe you come home and your partner's already in bed or yeah. so yeah. you don't have the time or people are just on different schedules yeah so you won't eat with other people at all absolutely yeah. there's yeah. actually new legislation around hospital doctors uh, or hospitals in general um saying that there has to be 24-hour provisions of hot food uh, for staff which sounds like a good thing but actually practical uh, in in practical terms it's very very hard to execute on that um and actually uh people who operate the restaurants would be operating at a loss because there's just isn't the amount the demand required 
and the staff needed to provide 24-hour provisions is, is obviously going to outstrip the number of people purchasing from those concessions. So Yeah, yeah. in practice, it's a tricky one too. Like all these studies are really interesting and they point us in a good direction. So mm. it's, it's cool to understand the reasons why so we can kind of put time aside when we can. But in yeah. practice, it can be very difficult to do yeah, absolutely. and find the time. Um, and actually, it. when you were just saying, you know, getting back from uh, a, like a late shift, whether you're a chef or a doctor or another shift worker, if you're going to be eating around that time, you're going to be disrupting your circadian rhythm. You're going to be uh, uh, disrupting the quality of your sleep. Um, you're introducing food where your microbiome actually needs a re- your gut needs a rest. So there, there's all these sort of like compounding factors that can uh, lead to the negative consequences of someone who is eating alone. You know. Mm. Yeah, so what do you think are the reasons why? So we have those studies. Mm. What do you think could explain those benefits of eating with other people? Do you have yeah, any we're kind of... Yeah, on this. <laughs> <laughs> we had a quick look at it, but I'm sure there's loads of reasons because there's not that much research on it. We need yeah. more, I think, research because yeah. it's an interesting topic. For sure. And it's part of human history to, to eat with other people. Um, what do you think are some of the reasons to explain the link? Like, first gut. I guess... The gut? First, no, first gut like, feeling. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, don't ask me to explain <laughs> gut science. <laughs> I didn't agree to that. That's all right. Um, I guess it's just like relationships make us happier hmm. and having connection with other people. Like, I think that's one of the most important things for a happy life. Hmm. And so just like having that moment to like be with other people, hmm. um, that's good for you. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Actually, I... I um. Uh, I had this conversation with uh, my therapist actually a couple of months ago and she was like, what is your happy place? What do you picture when you think of like some of the happiest moments in your life? And it is always, and I don't know whether this is because I'm in food and I'm a massive foodie, but it's always when I'm sat around a table with my closest and dearest friends. And the image that comes to mind is my wedding day and we had this long table where I literally had my family like my my baby sister was opposite me I had my uh my wife's family and all my best friends on one long table well we had a very very small wedding in um in Italy and that is like that just for me is just happiness in like a in a snapshot for me but it, it can also be extended to like the other week when I went to have you been to the Pelican in Notting Hill? No, but you keep on telling me. Oh I my need god, to go. it's it's brilliant! Yeah, yeah, they do this like lobster pie. Oh, the lobster pie! Phenomenal! Um, it's really good. It's it serves like three or four people, and it's like eighty pounds, but it's worth it. <laughs> uh, if you can find like three three people to 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 choose that with you, um, and that was just like you know four or five of us I had my dog with me, and that for me is like happy happy space and. I guess it's like um, that opportunity for laughter and storytelling, just one of the reasons that we isolate is uh, the the potential associations between sat, being sat around a table, having time uh, to, to eat your meal with others as to why we see those um, those benefits. Yeah, that's one of the one of the studies um, actually showed that social laughter, laughing with other people, releases um, endorphins in the brain. So it can promote feelings of uh, calm, feeling mm-hmm. calm and feeling safe. And so it can promote bonds between people. And obviously, we don't always laugh when we're eating around the table, but it's an opportunity to kind of tell stories, tell yeah. jokes, what happened in the day. And I think even in the office today, most of the moments where we connected with each other yeah. and we had a laugh was when it was around 
want food either yeah. because someone made a joke about a dad joke about something <laughs> yeah. or or um or we we kind of had a story or a quick chat and it, it did create those opportunities to laugh and to connect and to Definitely. to kind of do the social activities yeah um so that could be one of the link it's funny because for me the moments where um that i remember for example are actually quite simple moments of eating with other people mm. like eating um on, on a weekday with housemates or with friends or with family it's like very simple meals where it's literally like leftovers or something yeah, yeah. and we just sat sit there with my parents for example when i was a kid and it's very simple and there's not nothing special about it but just mm-hmm. us all sitting together in a very simple way or actually the, the memories i have and that was the strongest from my childhood for example yeah and it's yeah it's always linked to food yeah it's always linked to food in some way yeah so there's something that <laughs> i i love <laughs> so, that I, i mean like even uh even though it's just me and my wife at home um we tend to make the point of of always sat, sitting at the table when we have dinner phones away share like what we're grateful for that day and it's a bit corny but actually that is associated with the sort of like feelings of um yeah, happiness and calm and contentness and appreciation um and then across you know a meal i think that's a it's a really important habit to instill yeah, yeah. um apparently the obamas did that every day <laughs> oh really in the white house the- barack obama would go and have dinner and ask them for their <laughs> Wait. Is it three things that grateful yeah, for? Yeah, yeah, or like mm. the best part of their day and the worst part of their day. This is cool. And look at them. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, you always have the good facts about them. Yeah, I know. I love that. There, there's there's loads of like questions you can ask yourself um, uh, over over a, a meal. You know, it can be. What made you smile today? What made you feel grateful? Like, what is a positive thing that you've done today? Um, I think my the positive thing that I've done today is I cooked a fish uh, pie that Charlie. That was positive for us. As yeah, well. that was that positive was for you guys. Yeah, it was positive that for a number great. of people, but Charlie in particular, who's yeah. behind camera three, um, was uh, w- was particularly enamored by because mm. he's not usually a fish guy apparently. But. Yeah, finding good questions. I think that's the thing. The developing the art of conversation and and. Uh, asking people's question and being curious about people's experiences and yeah. the way they see the world, Absolutely. the way they experience the days and stuff. It's an opportunity to do that, which mm. I think it, we don't do a lot, mm. like being open to other people yeah. um, and asking questions and experimenting. Yeah. Uh, so that's a, another cool one. I don't know how to ask great questions. Yeah. <laughs> something We need a list of questions around the table. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. We should do that for our Christmas I think that dinner. could be like, you know, 50 cards to ask. Yeah, yeah 50. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> like uh, you can imagine it being one of those um like novelty gifts that you get in like uh, crackers or whatever we should try that another business christmas. idea <laughs> yeah, christmas dinner. Um, um so okay so the first reason that we've discussed as to why sat being sat around a, a table can um improve your health and well-being is because of the laughter and storytelling the second one this is hopefully going to blow all his mind is it can potentially improve the taste of the food. What? <laughs> great, great, great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Or make to... it more pleasant. Make least. it more pleasant, So yeah. they did a small uh, brain imaging study where they took participants and they showed them just pictures of food um, and with a different social context. So one, they showed the same food with a label as eating together. So the social context was eating together. And then the same food with a label as eating alone. And when the participants were presented with the food as eating together, they rated the food as more pleasant and they had more activity in, in brain regions activity um, associated with reward compared to eating alone. Um, so they expected the food to be more pleasant just based on a photo, 
when it was associated with a social context compared to when it was associated with eating alone. So there's there's a whole anticipation thing when you know you're going to eat the same food with other people um, compared to eating alone, which I thought was quite crazy. This is awesome because Just, it's, you know, they used uh, brain imaging and mm-hmm. you, you see all these sort of like headlines these days, like, you know, an fMRI was used to mm-hmm. prove that this particular area of the brain was stimulated, was more active when such and such did X activity. I actually quite like these studies, but there there seem to be so many of them. But the fact that it triggers more positive feelings and and increased uh, brain activity uh, related to food reward, I thought was was fascinating. And and the first thing that comes to mind is that whole sharing culture that we have at restaurants these days. Like every time you go to a restaurant, it's a sharing concept. Mm, that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's true. Small plates. Small yeah. plates. Yeah. Small <laughs> plates. Have you been here, guys, before? Like it's small plates, a sharing concept. You never know how many to order. As well. Yeah, like, I know. Like, how yeah. many are we supposed to share? I'm hungry. Yeah. <laughs> it's very true. Yeah. yeah. Do you like small plates? Um. <laughs> I just feel like it's been done to death. Yeah. It's like, okay, we get it. It's not cool anymore. No, it's cool, but it's like, stop trying to make it more of a thing than it is. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And I think for, I always, I'm always a little bit skeptical because doesn't it make it easier from a restaurateur point of view to just like pull out the plates whenever they're ready rather than having to coordinate four different plates at the same time? Yeah. Okay. Potentially. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. my theory anyway. Yeah. That's my conspiracy. Yeah. <laughs> that is interesting. I wish it was more common to have a big pot of food that you share like you would in a home. You yeah. Know, in a like restaurant, a Korean and hot yeah. pot yeah, yeah, big hot, yeah. Big pot and you can serve as much portion as you want. Yeah. 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 I wish it was more common because it feels quite, I like that about not the small plates but a big pot and you all, you serve yourself, you know? Yeah. 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 That tends to be like how I used to eat when I was at home Uh, with my family. We would have like mum would make a big dal and then she would make like a a bit of side salad stuff and then Mm -hmm. bread. That like for me is the sort of embodiment of like a sharing concept, I guess. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the small plates thing, I I think there's a there's probably um, uh, a reason, a a more of a commercial reason as to why that's popular. Yeah, Yeah. probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the caveat to that is that, well, well, sharing platters, you know, yeah. could make food more pleasant. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> that also reminds me of when I was a chef and I just had this moment of realizing, like, I used to feel so much pressure, like, is it good enough? Like, and then I realized, like, the food is only part of a person's dining experience. When you go out, it's about the lighting. It's about the background music. Mm. It's about the service. It's about your friends. It's about mm. the weather. It's about the day you've had. Like, yeah. the food needs to be good, but, like, when you go, when you talk to your friends about going to a restaurant, like the food is only part of it. You also mentioned mm. the service and all those other totally. elements. So yeah, yeah. and totally. purely and anecdotally, as an anecdote, an- purely anecdote, as an yeah. anecdote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like food definitely tastes better when you're eating it out as well. Oh yeah. And if mm-hmm. I, I get, I'm sure if you did an experiment where you eat it in the restaurant and you take it at home, the same food would not taste the same. Yeah, I mean, there like, is the context. The context influences how you experience totally, it. Totally, sure. totally. Like I've had that experience, like many people have, where they get takeout from the same yeah. restaurant, and and I love the restaurant. There's a Thai restaurant that I absolutely love getting the pad to you from and we have like a, a green sort of veggie curry tastes amazing it's got these beautiful bowls it's steaming hot but if you get it delivered to you yeah it might be slightly like you know uh less hot and steamy but there's something else that's missing mm-hmm. and i think it's that experience the lighting mm-hmm. the smell the 
the ordering, the serve, all that kind of stuff. It really does impact your overall enjoyment of the of the food. Yeah, yeah, sure. it's a whole vibe. <laughs> yeah. uh, so third reason. Uh, it can promote a sense of trust and mm. togetherness when you are sat around a table eating. Yes, that's another small study. These are all small studies, yeah, all but I think they're studies. quite interesting. So I think they're just cool studies to to nudge us in in the reasons why. So they found that strangers who ate the same food reached um, common agreement quicker in a negotiation game or in a trust game than um, when they ate different foods. So it was suggested that in a business setting, for example, sharing food, eating around the table could help you reach a common ground quicker and promote trust and cooperation between people compared to eating different foods. Mm. So I thought also that was quite cool as well. That's great. So top yeah. tip, if you're negotiating a business deal or merger or something and you want to try and get to a resolution as quickly mm. as possible, share, share the same meal. <laughs> yeah. have a, do it have, over food. Do it over food. Eat the same food. I wonder if there's like some sort of uh, evolutionary um, primal reason as to why if you're literally seeing someone eat the same food as you, it does promote that sense of trust mm. at a very, very deep psychological level. Mm. Yeah, I can imagine there might yeah. be. I don't mm. Um, there's yeah I, mean, I guess you can feel like they're part of your group or yeah. you know you would you wouldn't share food with people who you don't trust already mm. or i don't know there's probably yeah. something yeah. going on yeah um, there's something there yeah, for sure there's something there <laughs> the other uh, potential reason is that it encourages healthy eating habits so Eating behavior is strongly influenced by those around us, which is why I always say to people, if they're trying to like, you know, um, start a healthy eating habit, start a WhatsApp group with people who are also aligned to the same goal or like check in with someone who's also like, you've got to buddy up, you get some accountability, you get motivation, you sort of get that sort of uh, sense of compounding that behavior with someone else who's going through the same struggles with you as well. And it seems that sharing meals around a table has that same sort of impact. Yeah, so there's no, I didn't find any studies on that, mm. but I think um, we could make the hypothesis that uh, it could also expand your dietary habits. So you could be exposed to new eating habits and you could be exposed to new ingredients and flavors, spices. Mm. Like I'm sure we can all think of a time where we've shared food with people mm. and we've discovered a new way of preparing food or a new ingredient or a new flavor, yeah. spice or anything like that. Do you have an example? of uh, like a new ingredient you've discovered through someone? Yeah, well, because my boyfriend is Israeli, mm -hmm. so we have this, um, it's a chili garlic um, tahini. Mm. It is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we put it on the table sometimes as like a hot sauce. Hmm. And yeah, now I just have so much tahini in my diet. Yeah. And sometimes if I'm testing a recipe and I'm trying it out on him, I'll put it on the table. And if he puts it on, that's how I know I need to retest the recipe because it needs another go. But ah. if he doesn't use it, then the recipe has passed. Is that like an agreed cue? No, <laughs> he doesn't know. Yeah, so he no, doesn't we should. I don't want him to listen to this. <laughs> he doesn't actually know that that's what I'm doing sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Just looking. That's an interesting cue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually, I have a similar thing with uh, my my wife um, where she adds salt. To the meal, oh. but the thing is, she is Italian and she does love her salt, so it's quite hard to use as a cue to you know to tell whether it's because the food's not flavorful enough or I've just generally under seasoned it. 
Um, she's usually very good at just being blunt as to whether she likes a, a meal that I cooked or not. But yeah. And I guess sort of like the elephant in the room is, you know, if you're more likely to uh, be sat around a table with your family, you're more likely to be having home-cooked food, which you know exactly what you've put into it. It's unlikely to be processed. You're, you're less likely to have processed foods in your diet. And that can be, again, correlated with a healthier eating pattern and healthier outcomes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the fifth reason that we talked about um, is it's an opportunity to create memories with people. Yeah, I love this. Um, I think it was a quite a good one because there's another cool study mm. um, that was published quite recently, I think 2022 or 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, and they found that print 3D printed flavor cues of food um, could in- elicit very detailed memories and a very positive emotional experience in people and older adults mm. about uh, past events linked to food. Um, so just just the flavor, just the the cue, the flavor cue was able to uh, bring them on a time travel experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, so food has that that um, capacity to really create memories that are quite strong and tie us to other people, tie us to our identity, our ancestors, our history yeah. um, with other people, and yeah. and create a narrative of food across your life Absolutely. that you can then think back to, and it can be kind of a a time capsule that you can keep and think back to when you're experiencing those foods again later in life. Absolutely. And you're think, basically yeah. describing the scene in Ratatouille. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Which is, well, I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, have you, I do. Have I haven't seen, seen yeah. Ratatouille. You haven't seen Ratatouille? No, it's quite a bit to us. you've got to watch that this weekend. <laughs> so there's this really it's famous okay. scene in Ratatouille where um, the chef, I think is a critic, uh, tries the Ratatouille that the chef slash the rat uh, <laughs> is made in the kitchen. The yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what happens in the movie. Um, and he's instantly brought back to the, his childhood when his mum made ratatouille and like, you know, this whole experience. And everyone has that sort of experience because ratatouille is, I, I'm guessing, is quite a big thing in France. Is that right? Uh, ratatouille, the dish, not the, the movie. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no, yeah. Movie, the dish. Yeah, the, the dish, even yeah, yeah. in South of France, particularly. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure it's from Provence. Oh, hope I'm not, okay. I'm not, I, f- I hope I'm not wrong, but I think it's... <laughs> Let's hope you're I not wrong. I think it's from Provence, yeah. <laughs> I would be butchering my own culture. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, ratatouille is definitely very famous in I France. I mean, I, I think Everyone has their own version of ratatouille. Like for me, it's sag, which is this deep green dish that's made with all the different sort of greens you can imagine grown on a farm. You put um, uh, mukkan in, which is um, like a white butter that is like usually freshly churned. Oh, my dad grew up on a, on a farm. And uh, when we go back, we tend to have that dish. But even if I try that same dish when I'm in London and my mum's made it, for example, it takes me back to that time where we were sat around this like this earthen fire and you got the smells of the of the bread being made and stuff so there is that sort of uh uh the ability to time travel to sort of like um hit those sort of memories that you you sort of cherish right it just it just sort of comes up to me as soon as I have that dish. I'm assuming you got a dish as well, right? I was going to say mine <laughs> yeah. is like the totally opposite end of the spectrum because <laughs> we lived in America when I was young. So for me, um, it's peanut, no, marshmallow fluff. Marshmallow, marshmallow fluff? What is marshmallow yeah, fluff? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, I've never it's, heard of that. Like, it's like a spread made of marshmallows. Oh. And it's great because if you take a spoonful, like oh. Nutella, it just goes down and no one knows that you've got, gone into the tub. No It way. just goes down. It's magic. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh my word! Marshmallow it's, fluff. Doctor's would kitchen. Would you eat it on bread? <laughs> would you have it on bread or? or would you oh, have it? okay. Marshmallow fluff. It really Marshmallow shines on on bread with peanut butter. They call it a fluffer nutter. Peanut butter. Whoa! It's amazing. That's next level. The yeah. textures must be crazy. It's yes. really good. But now that I'm a grown up, I'll yeah. have an apple. Slice up an apple, Ooh. and then I'll have a little dish with peanut butter and marshmallow fluff. You can find so it in the UK. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I saw it in the shop the other day, and I got a tub just for nostalgic. Hold reasons. on, which shop is this? I got it in Sainsbury's. You got it. Set, you get everything in Sainsbury's. You call the chickpeas. Like, they're very well stocked. Yeah. That's amazing. Mm. Okay, I'm definitely going to have to try that out. Yeah. In yeah. moderation, obviously. I don't think it's really going to be your thing. But try <laughs> it out. Hey, I mean, like, to be <laughs> fair, to be fair to me, I eat a lot, I, and my wife will attest to this, I do eat a lot of, like, junk food. Not a lot. I do I do enjoy it whenever I do. And I think, like, if you are going to enjoy, like, marshmallow fluff, whatever it is, don't feel guilty about it. Just enjoy it for the moment that it is. And then like, you know, 80, 90% of the time, you're going to be eating whole unprocessed home cooked food. But when you are going to be eating junk, which is inevitable for everyone, just enjoy it. This is it. The poison is in the dose. Mm, exactly. Yeah, we exactly. talk about that a lot. <laughs> yeah, we do. It's all about dose and quality. Uh, it's all about it dose and quality. Any, any sort of uh, ingredient, for sure. But I think um, with all of that, so I think we, we have uh, some benefits of eating for the people, but you, when we first started talking about that, you were saying, but I love eating alone. Yeah. And so I think maybe some of the benefits of eating for the people, like slowing down and creating a nice environment and um, taking the time to eat could maybe translate into eating alone as well. Yeah, I, I, I think so. And I'm glad you brought this up because yeah. I was going to forget about that <laughs> because I, I don't want it to seem like or like every single time we have breakfast, mm-hmm. lunch, dinner, we sat around a table and we're eating slow and we've got laughter and we're like, you know, we have memories of everything uh, that we, we've, we've made. Um, sometimes I absolutely love having my breakfast on my own with a bit of uh, like um, uh, light music in the background or shock horror in front of my computer watching Saturday Kitchen reruns. <laughs> because and that, and that for me is my happy place. And mm-hmm. I probably eat a bit too fast. I probably don't chew my food enough, but there is something about that experience for me that is pleasurable. Um, if I was just like mindlessly scrolling on my phone and being distracted from the meal in a big way, then I think that there is there is probably a balance there mm. that, um, that that we should be striking. But yeah, sometimes I think you know it can be a healthful experience to eat on your own. That's my yeah, opinion. Anyway. I think so too. There's a moment of peace as well where you can just appreciate a moment for yourself. Yeah. But maybe it's about that balance, like consciously making the efforts of me- meeting other people mm. and um, organizing meals with family or friends or coworkers or yeah. neighbors or mm. um, sometimes, you know, a few times a week or a few times a month or every couple of months, whatever is good for you. And then making the time to eat by yourself and making that a pleasant experience as well when, totally. you, when you are eating alone. Yeah. Actually, a lot, a lot of my friends are mothers and fathers and they they tell me they look forward to the time where they don't have yeah, any I'm like sure. chaos at the table because <laughs> it can be a really stressful experience with kids. So you can imagine like, you know, just having a bowl of soup in the corner, you know, on your own is a magical experience as well. Yeah, that is peace, peace yeah. Well. That might be a good memory for yeah. you. Well. Yeah. <laughs> That's also soup, you know? another memory of food. 
Um, in terms of practice, I was mm. thinking to ask you if you had any tips for making meals with other people because I think it can be a stressful experience sometimes, yeah. either to cook for other people. That's a really good point. Or to cook with other people. Yeah. Even if you're trying to share the task or make or doing a potluck or anything, it can be a bit stressful and mm. some people don't know. I don't always know how to do it, uh, so it goes well. Mm. <laughs> do you have any tips for that or any preferred dishes? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think just like don't try to show off because yeah. then you're going to be stressed. People are going to feel guilty because you're stressed over trying to cook for them just keep it simple don't mm-hmm. show off um, if I ever have people over I'll always do or most of the time I'll do something like a lasagna mm, so all of yeah. the work is done beforehand and you just have to put it in the oven and serve it Yeah. because um, you don't want to be that host that's like fussing over everyone yeah Yeah. Mm. yeah. oh and also I'm thinking of Julia Child now because her big thing was never apologise uh-huh. so if you're the one cooking and you don't think it's your best don't mention it because oh. then people are going to have to feel like they have to reassure you <laughs> like just don't point. say anything yeah. that's a really good point actually yeah. and yeah. now you say that every time I've been to someone's house where they fussed over their own food and they said oh it's not perfect on this it's like I, I just want to enjoy it because I think it's brilliant mm-hmm. I think it's great and it's more about the act of love uh, that you you know someone is serving you uh, more than like the taste I'm not going to be going all Jay Rayner and mm. actually I get this a lot because obviously someone having written four cookbooks yeah, and people, people, expect. people get really <laughs> yeah, like sure. shot like they get really scared when I come mm-hmm. around for dinner I'm like guys honestly mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not that Homer Simpsons episode um, do you know when he becomes a health food critic I don't yes. know oh, I can't remember that episode yeah he becomes yeah. a YouTube yeah, yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> and pizza is his favourite thing yeah, <laughs> like, yeah it's yeah. so funny he, 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 uh, he becomes a food critic and um, he's overly nice about everything and uh, one of the lines is the worst thing you uh, rated was a piece of pizza you found behind the sofa that was a week old and you gave it two thumbs up <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm basically like that uh, maybe not to that extreme but um, another thing that I make whenever I'm hosting is definitely like prep ahead meals like a lasagna so you can do all the prep work before and then just bang it in um, last week we had some friends around for like a little Christmas celebration thing and we did the celebration salmon, spice salmon, uh, that's actually on the app. Um, again, marinated it, whacked it in the oven, only takes 20 minutes and then I served that with a side salad and some roasted veggies and that was mm-hmm. it, just roasted veggies. Um, but one pan dishes are my go-to. I'm not going to be doing like a Gordon Ramsay five, six course. Have you seen that masterclass of Gordon Ramsay? No. He literally goes through like a dining experience and like, oh, you can do this for starters and this for main and then this for dessert. No way. Too much. No way. No way. No, no, no. What about having people bring dishes? So if someone brings the starter yes. and then someone brings the dessert and the... Uh, yeah, whatever, like side dishes or something like that. Mm-hmm. Would you do you do that? Potlots? Yeah, I do that. Yeah, yeah. I think um, uh, I like I like to be the coordinator and just choose the recipes that people will be doing, so I can uh-huh. sort of like put everything together, and it's all going to be sort of cohesive. So you're not going to get like a Korean meal and the Indian dish yeah, and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So you tell people what to bring. Yeah. And then everyone can bring something. And, and with the and last... there's less pressure as well. Yes. Yeah. On, on your dish. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because your yeah. dish is going to be like really yeah, exactly. good. Yeah. Uh, I did, the last time I did it, it was um, sort of my comfort zone, which is Indian cooking. So I basically told people, okay, you're going to make that dal. You're going to make these like roasted sort of um, spiced veggies. You're going to bring the yogurt. That was the easiest one. Just grate some cucumber in it and a bit of masala on top. And it's like, great. I usually give that one to someone who's not <laughs> into it. adept in the yeah. kitchen or into it. Yeah. 
Um, but that works really well because everyone comes and you share. And again, it's sort of that, that magical share. And the fact is, the last time I did that, honestly, Sakina, that was probably seven years ago now because we've had COVID sharing, in between yeah. and the sharing sort of meals. Uh-huh. And I still remember exactly who was there, what dishes. Mm. So I'm, and we haven't rehearsed this yeah. at all. That's literally <laughs> like sure. what my memory, that's like mm. burned into my memory. Isn't that fascinating? It is cool. Yeah. It is really cool. Um, I think as well, like uh, when, when you were saying, put it, make it, don't over apologize for your food. Mm. It's all about creating a nice experience around the food as well. Like uh, putting music when you're preparing the food or playing cards after eating and yeah. stuff like that. That also people remember that more than the food often. Totally. The whole the things you did around it, the conversation, mm. the laugh, the after, yeah, yeah. the cards, the games, the all these things that are quite cool that we can bring into those moments. Yeah, um, absolutely. For sure. Well, I'm glad we're having this conversation yeah. because I think, you know, it's... Doctor's Kitchen doesn't necessarily need to be about the, you know, the nutrient density of the ingredients. It doesn't necessarily need to be about like having a particular macronutrient ratio. It can be about the pleasure of food. And as some of these small studies, which obviously have confounders um, demonstrate is that there can be a helpful element to it by just eating around a table and sharing conversation and memories and stuff and hopefully we're going to have a lot more of those in the studio as well yeah Christmas dinner Christmas dinner dinner. coming (laughs) (laughs) well thank you so much guys this has been awesome thanks awesome Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Doctor's Kitchen Podcast. Remember, you can support the pod by rating on Apple, follow along by hitting the subscribe button on Spotify, and you can catch all of our podcasts on YouTube if you enjoy seeing our smiley faces. Review show notes on the doctorskitchen.com website and sign up to our free weekly newsletters where we do deep dives into ingredients, the latest nutrition news, and of course, lots of recipes by subscribing to the Eat, Listen, Read newsletter by going to thedoctorskitchen.com forward slash newsletter. And if you're looking to take your health further, why not download the Doctor's Kitchen app for free from the App Store? I will see you here next time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.